Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. Thank you so much for joining me on this Monday. With a slightly early uh, first pitch, in fact, pretty much right after the show, that's when we're going to get the uh, baseball week started here. Get your fantasy week started. Maybe have your uh, fantasies roster, your fantasy uh, rosters lock up. So uh, y'all came through with a whole bunch of questions, last minute questions. I will tackle those, or at least as many of as I can, in the first segment here of the show to make sure that we get that all set and uh, taken care of before the uh, first pitch in Baltimore. Yankees-Orioles first game of their doubleheader. And then just right after that, of course, we got uh, doubleheader with the uh, Phillies and Mets. So uh, lots of baseball and lots of baseball stuff to talk about on this show. And I'm also very excited to have uh, Eno Saris from The Athletic on the show, I believe, for the very first time. Uh, so Eno, one of my favorite uh, baseball people around uh, looking forward to be able to talk, uh, talk to him. And I'm going to talk mostly with him about a piece that he just recently wrote uh, for the athletic uh, about some regression candidates, but it's with a little bit of a twist. It's not your typical uh, buy low, sell high column. So I'll let, uh, Eno explain that uh, a little bit uh, in a little bit uh, when he gets on the show. And lots of news to catch up on, and as I mentioned, your Twitter questions too. So uh, let us get to it. And uh, Yasiel Puig, as expected, uh, going on the DL with uh, a right oblique strain. He is scheduled to get an uh, an MRI uh, tomorrow, according to ESPN. But uh, he is expected, uh, almost certainly, in fact, is the quote from the ESPN report, almost certainly going on the disabled list. There's been some rumoring that uh, Alex Verdugo might get called up. Have not seen anything to confirm that, though. Uh, But you definitely need to uh, take care of replacing Yasiel Puig on your rosters for this week. Uh, Let's see. Also, we do have a Rangers lineup out. Uh, I'll get to uh, the bulk of the lineups later on. But there's no Shinsuchu and no Joey Gallo. In that uh, lineup, uh, that's the only one I believe we have out of the uh, the nighttime games. Uh, it's going to be Mike Miner and Ed- Eduardo Rodriguez for the Red Sox at uh, Fenway Park. Uh, so again, no Shinsu Chu and no uh, Joey Gallo against the lefty Eduardo Rodriguez. Vince uh, Velasquez, he is expected to come back to the Phillies rotation this Wednesday. He's been out with uh, forearm contusion so that was expected to be a short stay on the dl and it appears that that is uh actually going to be the case 
Uh, Chris Archer was just uh, a little while ago activated, and that was as expected. Uh, he's the scheduled starter for the Rays today against the Detroit Tigers. And also some other uh, Rays-related news that uh, Kevin Kiermeyer, uh, who is out with uh, a sore back, uh, he is expected to be back today, and so is Malik Smith, according to Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. And uh, less good news for the Rays, Chaz Rowe, uh, was placed on the DL, and he's going to have arthroscopic knee surgery and is expected to be out at least until September, uh, which would you say at least until September, that means might miss the season. Uh, but if he does pitch, it's going to be just be at the very end of the season. And also in the same report from Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times that uh, Nate Evaldi, not too surprisingly, starting to draw some trade interest uh, along with Sergio Romo and all-star Wilson Ramos. So uh, those uh, players could all be on the move. And we'll talk a little bit more about Nate Avaldi later on in the show because he flirted with a perfect game on Sunday and has, uh, for the most part, been outstanding. So we'll break down uh, his performance, most recent one, and just in general, a little bit later on in the show. Todd Frazier has been placed on the DL by the Mets with a pulled rib muscle. So that does not sound good. Uh, I'm actually just seeing this now for the first time, so I'm not exactly sure what the timetable uh, is, but uh, apparently an injury that he suffered on uh, uh, on Sunday for Todd Frazier. So uh, not good there. JT Real Muto, also a first-time All-Star, is going to go on paternity leave for the Marlins. And, um, yeah, we'll uh, talk a bit about the... Uh, some of the other all-stars and all-star snubs. There's really a lot to talk about here. And even though that's not fancy relevant, I mean, that's an annual conversation that we've got to have here. Uh, according to MLB.com, getting back to the news here, A.J. Hinch says that uh, Carlos Correa is not yet doing baseball drills. He is improving, but uh, no baseball activity yet for Carlos Correa. So you got to sit him this week, even though there is some chance that maybe he could be back later in the week. According to the Athletics' Ken Rosenthal, the Dodgers and Brewers are now emerging as the most serious suitors for Manny Machado, although the Indians also have a strong interest, but they may not be able to take on the rest of Manny Machado's $16 million contract. According to 670, the score in Chicago, Chris Bryant's starting a rehab assignment with the Tennessee Smokies today and could be back anytime now. I don't know if it's going to be one game or multiple games. Uh, I, for one, in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, that's a 15-team mixed league, did start Bryant this week. Uh, I would say, obviously, the shallower the league, the more you can probably afford to look at your alternatives. But I'd say certainly in a 15-team league or anything deeper, probably 14-team, you might as well roll the dice with Chris Bryant because it sounds like his return is going to be sooner rather than later. We had a trade on Sunday. Uh, the Giants sent Austin Jackson, Corey Guerin, and minor league pitcher Jason Barr to the Rangers for a player to be named or cash. Uh, so Giants uh, clearing a little bit of uh, salary there. Also clearing some roster space for a couple of prospects. Uh, Steven Duggar got called up and uh, played yesterday. And Ray Black, a relief uh, prospect. Uh, appeared and made his major league debut in the Giants game on Sunday. Didn't go too well uh, for Ray Black, actually. Gave up a three-run homer to Matt Carpenter, 
but uh, has, has had a sensational year split between double A and triple A. Uh, lots of strikeouts, uh, can throw above 100 miles per hour. So, uh, I, you know, Giants have a pretty good back end of the bullpen, but apparently he may see some work in the seventh inning, according to one uh, report that I did see over the weekend. So a couple of interesting additions there for the Giants. couple of closer injuries, although neither one is deemed to be all that serious. Sean Doolittle, also uh, named to the all-star team, he has a strained toe, although he apparently may have been available yesterday, didn't have to pitch for the Nationals. Does not appear that he will be out long, if if at all. Uh, and Araldus Chapman, he did not get used in the save situation yesterday for the Yankees. It was David Robertson. So both Chapman and Batances, uh, Don Batances getting some rest. And in Chapman's case, uh, getting some healing time for his knee tendinitis. And according to Aaron Boone, he told the New York Post that Chapman may have to deal with this uh, knee injury for much of the rest of the season but apparently not su- supposed to be uh, serious enough to land him on the disabled list or have him miss much time. But that definitely sounds like a situation that we have to monitor for a while now, day by day, uh, because if this is a, a, going to be, I don't know if chronic is maybe too strong a word, but uh, you know, sort of a long-term thing for Chapman, uh, I don't think we can just rest uh, easy if we're Chapman owners uh, and just assume that he's going to be healthy enough to pitch. Ryan Braun is not healthy enough to play. He was placed on the DL by Brewers over the weekend with a strained back. Uh, Avisail Garcia was removed on Saturday with tightness in his right hamstring. And it's the same uh, type of injury that placed him on the DL earlier this year for two months. Uh, so that report from the Chicago Tribune. Uh, no timetable or, or any other information on Garcia, though, uh, for now. According to CBC Sports, the Cubs have uh, joined uh, the group of teams that have an interest in Jay Happ. There are also some reports over the weekend that the Yankees were talking with the Blue Jays about some trade possibilities. So it seems very, very likely that Happ will be on the move. One of the more uh, sought-after pitching trade uh, targets. Joe Musgrove threw a uh, bullpen session and is apparently feeling well enough that he uh, is tentatively scheduled to start for the Pirates on Tuesday, according to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Uh, so uh, looks like that's uh, an excellent chance that Musgrove is going to make that start unless there's some sort of unexpected setback. So I went ahead and put him uh, in the rotation on a couple of teams where I own him. Jimmy Nelson, uh, he is not going to be back nearly as early as uh, initially hoped. Uh, the Brewers GM, David Stern, says that he thinks that Nelson could pitch again this season, or not again, he hasn't pitched yet this season, but could pitch this season, but probably not until sometime in September. Uh, Nelson is still not thrown off of a mound, and uh, once he does get off, uh, get uh, some mound sessions, uh, he'll certainly need a minor league rehab stint as well. So he's a ways away, uh, according to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Cesar Hernandez is uh, back with a little bit more uh, lineup news here. For that uh, Phillies-Mets uh, doubleheader first game, Zach Eflin and Zach Wheeler. The uh, Zach attack there, Zach versus Zach. Uh, Hernandez in the back in the lineup for the Phillies and leading off. And, of, and of course, uh, playing second base after uh, sustaining a uh, foot contusion due to a uh, foul ball that he hit off of his foot. So good news there for uh, Cesar Hernandez and for you. 
if you own Cesar Hernandez in fantasy. Uh, also, similar type of injury here. J.D. Martinez fouled pitches, uh, multiple pitches apparently, off of his left cat, calf and right foot last night. Uh, but he uh, is expected uh, to at least be able to pinch hit, uh, according to the Boston Globe. Nick Castellanos was scratched on Sunday with mild left wrist soreness. So I don't think we have any further update on him. We don't have a Tigers lineup yet. We do now have a Rays lineup. Uh, and also we have a Red Sox lineup now. That's new. Uh, so no Tigers lineup yet, but I imagine we'll have that soon. Oh, I'm sorry. We were talking about, uh, no, we were talking about Nick Castellanos. Okay, that's right. Uh, <laughs> J.D. Martinez, however, is in the Red Sox lineup. Former Tiger, current Red Sox. Uh, Martinez in the lineup. So just updating you there. And uh, there is some concern over Pablo Sandoval's left thumb, which he sprained on Sunday. Uh, according to Henry Shulman of the San Francisco Chronicle. So uh, I doubt that we'll see a Giants lineup probably by the end of this hour. Uh, they're hosting the Cubs at AT&T Park. That's Kyle Hendricks and Andrew Suarez. And we got a Twitter question about that matchup. So uh, we will get to that uh, in short order here. And uh, in fact, I do want to get to those questions in very short order here. But I just want to say that, you know, as happens every year when all-star rosters are announced and people complain about the snubs, and there are legitimate snubs every year that I can remember. But I got to say that, especially that American League squad is just so loaded. And just as an example, Blake Snell clearly is a deserving all-star. And if you've listened to the show for a while uh, or followed my work for a, for a long time, at some point you probably heard me rant about the fact that I think it's the all-star game and not the first three months of 2018 game or whatever year it happens to be uh, so that I don't like to see players get rewarded just for uh, a good first half or in the case of somebody like uh, Max Muncy or Jesus Aguilar, maybe a couple of really good months. Uh, you know, I'm not totally opposed to the to players with that kind of track record being all-stars, but not at the expense of players who are having, you know, good to great years that have, performed well you know for more than just a few months but I think Blake Snell has earned it because his his uh, season so far has been elite and he was very good in the second half of last season as well but where is there the room for Blake Snell on that American League roster and you're know, looking it up and down and obviously if you didn't have the required roster spots for um, folks uh, you know uh, on teams that don't you know maybe don't have a, a an absolutely deserving uh, all-star member, then it'd be easier. You know, maybe you could have Snell in there over Jay Happ or over uh, Jose Barrios, who I do think Barrios in particular is, is very worthy. But I think to make room for Blake Snell, you'd almost have to not have Corey Kluber on there. And I actually would be okay with that. I, I think between the two, it's kind of a toss-up. But, uh, you know, Adam Adovino, I think, is a, is a legitimate snub. And I think... I would have been perfectly fine with him making it instead of Kenley Jansen this year. But for guys like Aguilar, Muncy, um, it's, it's, it's harder to make the case for it. But anyways, I do want to get to your questions. So uh, hope, hopefully I can uh, talk about this a little bit more, maybe with Eno Saris. But uh, in the meantime, uh, I do appreciate you coming through with uh, lots of uh, questions uh, for your uh, lineups coming up. So as soon as I can pull them up here... 
Here we go. All right. So uh, this from at Dihala24. Should I use uh, Suarez tonight against the Cubs? And it's uh, Andrew Suarez, of course. And uh, I would lean no, even though he's been very good so far. But that's a pretty tough matchup. Um, so, so I think uh, I'm not quite ready to trust Suarez yet uh, against a, a team like the Cubs. And from at P. Wambacher, 1078, is Chris Bryant worth starting this week? Could pick up Piscotty in a Roto League instead. I mean, Piscotty is definitely worth picking up. But as I said earlier, um, roll with Chris Bryant um, in pretty, pretty much any format. Uh, so I definitely would would recommend that. Uh, we got a question here on Brian Dozier from at VTeodoro1126. Guessing Dozier will be filling up the box score stats soon in the second half, as he typically does. Am I crazy for offering up Scooter Jeanette? Not sure he can keep this pace up and want to get in front of the regression, positive and negative. I'm not so sure that Scooter Jeanette is a regression candidate, but uh, I, I think that's a fair trade. I think that's a fair trade. I, if I had Jeanette, I think I just kind of want to stick with it. But uh, if you're going to trade him, I think Brian Dozier is a good return on Jeanette. So I hope that helps. Anyways, more questions. Going to have to get to them a little bit later in the show. Uh, but stick around because Edo Sirius is going to be here in just moments. So we'll be right back. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And coming up in just moments, we're going to have uh, Eno Saras here from The Athletic. But first, uh, before we talk to Eno, uh, just a quick message here. Get your season ticket to Fantasy Glory now with the 2018 Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. It's not just a draft kit. It's a full season package that takes you all the way from draft day to championship week. And it features in-depth analysis from some of your favorite FNTSY sports radio experts, including Fantasy Hall of Famer Scott Engel, 2017 Rankings Accuracy Champion Jake Seeley, and high-stakes veteran Matt Modica, who you know from Tuesdays with Modica here on the Fantasy Baseball Hour. So go to rotoexperts.com, use code WINNER to get 10% off on the exclusive Edge package, and set aside a spot on the mantle for that 2018 championship trophy. Uh, hopefully, uh, you also have another room for your 2018 championship uh, fantasy baseball trophy. And, and to help you with that, here from The Athletic, uh, very excited to have Eno Saris on the show. Uh, Eno, thank you so much for taking the time and uh, joining me here today. Uh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, my, my pleasure. So uh, towards the end of the last segment, I was talking about all-star snubs. I just, you know, it's a, it's a conversation that we have to have 
every year just to vent our spleens a little bit. Uh, were there any in particular that were noteworthy to you? Um, you know, keeping in mind that these rosters are pretty stacked and, uh, you know, you have to figure out who you'd remove to, to put them on the roster. Well, I think one problem will end up uh, fixing itself pretty quickly in that Blake Snell wasn't put on, you know, the Rays, Blake Snell wasn't put on the roster, uh, but Aroldis Chapman is having some sort of knee issues. So uh, I think that'll be one of those easy ones. With the pitchers, it's hard to get too mad because there's a lot of stuff that has to do with, um, you know, when they last pitched, when they're scheduled to pitch next. Uh, what the what they told uh, people privately about wanting to be in the America in the All Star Game because there is um, you know sort of a relationship between keeping them healthy, keeping them on pace, on schedule, um, and uh, and playing them in the in the All Star Game. So pitchers are kind of their own beasts. But you know, I think what may be interesting to a fan of the audience is you know snub kind of like Max Muncy, where. Um, you know, that's, that's a true fantasy all-star where you didn't pay anything to get yourself a share of Max Muncy, Max Muncy and you reaped many rewards. I think that's kind of the fantasy, the, the fantasy spin on, on all-stars are the guys who cost the buck and are producing like stars. Well, yeah, now that that's a good point. And I have absolutely no problem with that construction of the idea of all-star. And I kind of went on a, on a mini rant because, um, I get, I get annoyed sometimes when people, uh, you know, really feel irritated that somebody like Max Muncie got snubbed for the real all-star squad. And granted, he can make it on the final vote, too. And as you mentioned, you know, you know there's tons of injury replacements as well, both uh, pitching and hitting. But, um, you know, to me, it's, it's not the April through June good stats team. It's, it's the all-star team. So I'm not sure I'm ready just yet to put Max Muncy or, or Jesus Aguilar in the company of a, of a Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah. And, and even if, even if this were a meritocracy and he should be considered a top, whatever bat and should be in there. Um, it's a little bit like the Oscars where, you know, there's some, some of this has to do with how good you are generally and not just in this year where, you know, it, it, in the Oscars, sometimes it takes you three or four really good movies to finally win the Oscar. You know, um, I think in some cases, all stars are guys who've been producing like Eddie Rosario has been producing for like a, now two years at an all star level. But, you know, when you put him up against the, the field, you start seeing names of guys who've been producing for five, six, seven years or who are perennial all stars. So it just gets crowded. Yeah, it is. It's yeah, it's a tough call because again, they're they're all stars, so <laughs> you have to move yeah. somebody off. In most cases, who's pretty good, unless it's it's you know maybe the one representative of a team that's not very good. But uh, you know, you, you've mentioned uh, Muncy, and uh, you know, I brought up uh, Aguilar, and uh, you, you have a whole column that focuses on these players who have outperformed. It's not just necessarily the uh, you know like you say, the guys that you got for a buck or, or maybe for free in a reserve round or, or you know, you got them cheap on fab, but, uh, you know, also some well-known players, uh, well-established players who look due for regression. Um, so if you tell us a little bit about this piece that you wrote, this is for The Athletic, uh, roster requirements, buying high. Uh, what, what exactly, you've got a leaderboard here in terms of uh, players who are due for regression based on their projected weighted runs created plus. Uh, 
what would be a, you know a brief user's guide that we could have to you know to navigate this list? Yeah, I mean the the, the query was pretty simple. It's just you know who had the biggest difference between their to date uh, offense, you know by way of run script plus the to date offense minus their projected offense. So um, you know the names are all you know like guys that are that are superstars and have been really good so far uh and then some surprises so mookie like when you see a guy like mookie Betts or jose ramirez or francisco lindor on this list um it almost doesn't matter as much because yes they may regress off of like a, a hot first half but they're also superstars and uh they'll regress to pretty good stuff like mookie Betts is projected to be basically 40 percent better in the league can he keep up a season where he's twice as good as the league, where he's 100% better than the league? Like, uh, I doubt it. I mean, it's just one of those things that, 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 that maybe in one of those super, like, your peak years, you, you have one of those years. Um, but, uh, it, it, like, to say that he might fall off of that pace is not that useful. What, what I did this for mostly was to pick out names like Jesus Aguilar, who's the number one projected regressor. Brandon Nimmo uh, is on this list. Um uh, Scooter Jeanette is on this list, uh, Eddie Rosario. So, but when I look at that list, I see a certain amount of young players who have made a big change uh, in some way. And, uh, and you know, then you have to start thinking about analytically, like what kind of changes you believe in more. So I guess there's, uh, you know, Hazy Aguilar has done it mostly with plate discipline. Uh, he's swinging at different pitches and that's allowing him to lift the ball. Um, I think uh, if you looked at the breakouts for other players um, like Scooter Jeanette, I think just started pulling the ball a lot more, pulling the ball in the air a lot more. Um, you know, that's a bit of just somewhere between approach. And so there's different ways to achieve this. And, uh, and you kind of have to decide which ones you think are real because projection systems are not going to really make that decision for you. There's, there's only a couple things that are really in there that can, um, that can point that can just point to the validity of a breakout. All right. Well, I, you know, there's a lot to unpack in what you just said there. So I'm going to try my best <laughs> to, to pull out at least a couple of things. Cause yeah, Aguilar, for example, was one uh, player that you, you did a deeper dive on in the, in the article. Uh, and you, a couple of points in relation to him is that he's clearly uh, one of the players that you would judge to be, um, uh, you know, a good bet to keep up the improvement that he's made. And then more specifically, you know, you gave us a reason, which is that he's um, improved his, uh, his plate discipline, his, his selectivity, uh, and that you find that a little bit more convincing than maybe if you had the same magnitude of change that was just based on some sort of mechanical adjustment, like, you know, I don't know, he added a toe tap or something or <laughs> changed the swing. Uh, so why is it that you like the change backed up by an improvement in selectivity more than maybe some other factor? Uh, two reasons. Uh, one reason is that uh, players do become more selective as they age. So uh, that would be a natural progression for a player. Uh, we know, for example, from research, that swing percentage just goes down as a player is in the, in the big leagues. That's the, the aging curve for, for swing percentage is just basically a downward ramp. Um, and uh, uh, so it's, it's part of the natural progression of a player. And then on top of that, um, I just feel like uh, it doesn't require the player to keep a new 
sort of form, a new batting form. It's, um, you know, if you talk to players who have made a large swing change, uh, they talk about how much they have to, how much work they have to do to just keep that change going. I mean, your body has been swinging a certain way for much of your life. Uh, J.D. Martinez is religious about the work he has to do in order to maintain this new swing that he's created. Um, and because your body is just going to tend to go back towards the old movements that you've always done. Um, and that's an argument, I think, for regression in general, that we all sort of, no matter what changes we try to make, we try to eat less, we try to work out more, uh, you know, we sort of tend back to our, our original, uh, our, our normal um, ways of living. So, um but, uh, you know, at play discipline, I feel like, uh, you know, it's just uh, if they've shown the skill, the ability to hone in on something, I don't think that they need to necessarily uh, work every day on a drill to, to, uh, to do that, to keep doing that. All right. Well, you know, I want to come back to a couple of other players, um, but I, I want to go back to this example of Aguilar. That do, it doesn't necessarily have to be specific to him, but we'll use him just as an example here. So, you know, let's say that somebody and actually uh, somebody in one of my leagues did recently offer me Jesus Aguilar. As an owner, is there a particular approach that you think would work better with this? Because to me, it's almost sort of like, a, uh, you know, like some sort of ninja move here where, uh, okay, you you see uh, these changes that Aguilar's made, and that you may anticipate that the owner is expecting Aguilar is going to regress, and maybe that's why the owner is offering Aguilar to you. So, you know, as the the person who's being pitched Aguilar, should you treat this, you know, maybe as a buy low and offer less than maybe you would otherwise? Yeah, I I think the key is to uh, be really sort of try to be realistic about even your new excited baseline. So you can look at, uh, for example, a fan page for Jesus Aguilar, and you can, you can see that, you know, he projected, uh, to hit 250, uh, with, you know, 10, 10, 11 more homers the rest of the season. Um, you know, so far he's at 322 in basically a half a season. So, that's a, that's a fair amount of regression. If your uh, trading partner is thinking, oh, yeah, he's going to fall back to the sort of 250, 10 homer pace, you have to know in your head what you think he's actually going to do. Um, and you shouldn't go too far from what's projected because projections are still have their use. Uh, but if you can say, you know what, I, I, my eyes are wide open. Uh, I believe in a lot of this power surge. I believe you know, last year he had a 240 ISO, so you know, projecting him below that doesn't make much sense to me. Uh, so I'm going to give him like a 250 ISO from here on out, and that's going to give him basically 15, 16 more homers. Uh, that's going to affect his batting average. So I think he's more like a 275, 16 homer guy the rest of the way. Now you have your two positions. You you can assume basically the other person is going to use the projections as their baseline, and you know where where you value the guy. So that's 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 the uh, the that's the gold right there to get in between those two numbers. Okay. Okay. Well, let's go to another case here. Another uh, player that you highlighted in the piece, Wilson Ramos, uh, voted as an all-star, uh, you know, a well-established skill set. Uh, but as you pointed out, as he gets further away from his injury, uh, we could certainly have a lot more cha- a lot more uh, trust in the improvement. Uh, but you bring up something I think that's really interesting, which is that the Rays, in fact, um, 
I, I just talked about earlier on the show today how uh, several players, including Nate Evaldi, are likely to be traded. So maybe Wilson Ramos would be uh, a, a trade chip for them as well. It makes a lot of sense. And you cited the Phillies and Diamondbacks as two potential destinations. Again, those destinations make a lot of sense for those teams. But Arizona in particular, I was just curious about you including that scenario because I was very surprised recently to see the park factors uh, and it's really not playing as a pitcher's park so far this season. So if you're playing, if you're plugging that into your scenarios in terms of how much Wilson Ramos might be worth rest of season, what do you do with that? I realize this is a very specific situation, but All right. uh, how do you treat Chase Field? Um, you, it, it, you're saying that it's not playing like a hitter's park anymore. Uh, well, it's it's not to the same degree, but it's not as pitcher friendly as it's not uh, that pitcher friendly. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the research going into the season, which I think has been backed up by what's happened, is that uh, the the humidor that they that they installed there would cost uh, batted balls, you know, two or three miles per hour of exit velocity, um, and that has dampened. You you see a guy like Paul Goldschmidt, um, his splits have been affected by this. His home splits are not very good. Um, and I think that I think, uh, you know, by focusing on that part, uh, I can ignore some of the noise of the overall park factor. So I would say that my impression of Arizona's uh, park factor situation right now is that it's um, basically close to neutral. It used to be a real hitter's park. You took three miles per hour off and it's not quite a pitcher's park. But my impression of, of Tropicana is that it's a pitcher's park. And I, I use the word impression because I think park factors are probably one of the largest source of errors in most of the numbers on Fangraph, in, in a lot of our league and park-adjusted numbers. Uh, war, runs are created plus. I think it's just a great stat that the one thing is the park factors in there are not always um, amazing. I mean, because – one of the things that Fangraphs does, they're conservative when it comes to stats. That's why you don't see, you know, new stats on Fangraphs all the time. They, they, they are kind of trying to be the paper of record and just keep, keep uh, stats that are well thought of and, and well researched. And, and so no, no sort of fly by night type stuff. Uh, they regress their park factors by three years. So they don't, they don't want to know what Arizona is doing this year just by itself because you'll have different populations of players going into these parks and playing. So park factors on a year-to-year basis can get screwed up by uh, how often Aaron Judge plays in your ballpark, you know? <laughs> right. Um, and, uh, and also just the weirdness of maybe there's that one year where that player has that reverse split and, and hits awesomely at every other park except for home. Does that mean that his home park has gotten harder to hit in? Um, or did that just one player just kind of skew the numbers? So they do three years to kind of get a big sample and keep things kind of slow. There are other places, I think maybe stack corners, there's other places that do one-year park factors, um, and they're more up and down from year to year, but it's hard to trust that for the reasons I just said. So uh, I I have some hope that StatCast will help us out of this, uh, but I've done a lot of work myself, and um, one of the problems is that batted ball spin is kind of the thing that's missing. We can... We can say, okay, a ball with this exit velocity and this launch angle should, should be a homer in a neutral park. And then now let's take that information to each park and say, oh, well, it's not a homer in this park. It is a homer in this park and kind of model things that way. But the problem is if you don't have batted ball spin, 
um, you uh, can miss on a, on the order of five to ten feet, and now uh, now you're not really modeling the pitch, the the, the balls in play correctly. So, you know, if 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 we get given bad ball spin, I think we can really take uh, park factors to step forward and really just model every every ball and to say, you know, this ball would have been a homer in 25 parks. Well, that would you know, be then, great. Then, then we'd really know. Yeah, then we would really know. Right now, we sort of feel our way through it, and I think I would say that Wilson Ramos going from Tampa Bay to, to Arizona would still be an uptick in um, in situation for him. Uh, okay, yeah, that's kind of you know without splitting too many hairs. I think that's that's the big takeaway. Well, you know, we've <laughs> got to uh, wrap this up here. But thank you so much for uh, spending the uh, the segment with us here and provide us with great analysis. It's a really rip-apart park back. All right. <laughs> have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And thanks again to Eno Saras, who broke down park factors, uh, gave us some uh buy high candidates and uh, just a, a lot of great analysis there. So uh, really fun having Eno on. Please do go check out his work at The Athletic. Uh, I know I've got a few more of your Twitter questions to get to. I wanted to get to them all in the first segment. Didn't quite work out that way, but I'm going to get to the remainder uh, in just a moment here. Uh, but first of all, uh, just be sure that you tune in to the Fantasy Game Time Decisions right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network at 4 p.m. Eastern today. As we play the DKMS Trivia Challenge with your shot to call in and win two tickets to a 2018 World Series game. All you have to do is answer four questions correctly and you'll be on your way to the Fall Classic. And if you were listening to the Fancy BFFs, I gave it a go and I didn't get past the first question. So <laughs> I'm not surprised either. Uh, but uh, you probably are better trivia than I am. So listen into that. Uh, the contest is sponsored by DKMS, who are looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. For many patients, a bone marrow transplant is the best chance for survival. And while 30% of patients can find a matching donor in their families, 70%, nearly 14,000 people each year, must rely on a benevolent stranger to step up and donate. So find out how you can help the cause and go to dailyrodo.com slash DKMS, dailyrodo.com slash DKMS. We'll play the contest again on Carton and Friends uh, from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern time tomorrow. And then stay tuned here to the Fantasy Baseball Hour as we just might be playing the game right here with your favorite host, yours truly, Al Melchior. Uh, maybe one of your favorite hosts, I, I hope. Anyway, we'll playing it here later this week, uh, so stay tuned for that. And uh, the number to play is 844-843-6879. One more time, a little slower here. 844-843-FNTSY. It's the DKMS Trivia Challenge. Call in and win. Okay, so definitely stay tuned for, for that. Uh, but anyways, let's get to a few more questions here. 
at uh, DM Ninja 2. A uh, whole bunch of pitchers here to rank in a head-to-head points league. Uh, and actually, there's five of them, and I do have a pretty clear order for these. So the, the five are uh, Roark, Gibson, Rodon, Duffy, and Pavetta. And it's pretty close one-two for me, Gibson and Duffy in that order. Uh, Duffy's been much, much better the last four or five starts. Gibson, not so much, but uh, I'm still trusting him uh, while it's just been a couple of off starts for him. So I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. So Gibson, then Duffy. And then I'm not, I've really soured on, on Nick Pavetta. Uh, but I will put him third because I do think that there's some upside there if he can cut back on the home runs. Uh, and then I'd go Carlos Rodon, and then I'd go Tanner Roark last, who I actually cut and cut him in a 15-team league, 15-team mixed uh, league earlier today. Uh, so just I don't see a whole lot of upside there left for, for Tanner Roark. Um, so anyways, uh, hope that is helpful. And then two questions from Craig in Chicago at CW Sox fan. Uh, all right, starter said Geo. Guy looks lost lately. Uh, I certainly agree with that, Craig. And uh, he's been a regression candidate for more than a year now. So definitely sit Gio. I assume you mean Gio Gonzalez. And then the last question here. Now, Craig, you asked something about Hosmer on the last show. So you're back again here. Hap now third base corner uh, infield eligible or Hosmer rest of season. Uh, He also wishes me a good show. So thank you, Craig. Uh, I am going to go Hosmer there. I just trust the playing time more. I trust the rebound for Hosmer. Uh, I love Hap's upside, but until Madden uses him regularly for a an extended period, I just can't trust that he's he's going to sit often enough that uh, he's not going to be able to match Hosmer in value. So, uh, anyways, that's it. That's all the questions. So thank you all for uh, submitting those. Much appreciated. And so before I get on to some of the standout performances from Sunday, uh, message here from mybookie.ag. If you enjoy playing daily fantasy sports, but you are sick of dealing with the professionals using algorithms to select hundreds of lineups and entries, try the props builder tool at mybookie.ag. Forget about having to create multiple lineups, ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches, and avoid experts winning 90% of the money. Invest in the players that you want without salary caps. And if you sign up for a new account using the promo code FNTSY, you can elect an option to receive a 50% deposit bonus with a rollover requirement. So no more dealing with late lineup scratches, no experts to compete against. It's just you and the prop that you choose. Go to mybookie.ag, enter the promo code FNTSY upon sign up, and choose your matchups using the props builder tool. That's mybookie.ag. Promo code FNTSY. So, man, action-packed show. Tell you, lots of good questions, lots of good information from Mino Saris, a lot of news to catch up on. Uh, and now we got a whole bunch of lineups to get to. And we do have those stand-up performances. Frankly, I did keep it light on those because I knew between the All-Star game and having Eno on and everything, there was going to be a ton to talk about. We do have a few of those, but I want to make sure that uh, I get to lineups. Uh, weather, don't worry about it. Another beautiful day around Major League Baseball. So that's not going to be a factor in your lineup setting. Uh, we've got a Pirates lineup out. Uh, they are hosting the Nationals in Pittsburgh. That's going to be uh, Jeffrey Rodriguez and Ivan Nova. 
And uh, because we got the righty Jeffrey Rodriguez going against the Pirates, we do have Corey Dickerson leading off. We've got Colin Moran in the lineup and batting cleanup. Uh, no Jordy Mercer, however. We've got uh, Max Moroff at uh, shortstop. Uh, no lineups yet for uh, the nightcap for Phillies Mets or for Yankees Orioles, uh, as you would expect. Uh, but we do have lineups for both uh, the Reds and Indians, Anthony Desclafani and Mike Clevenger. And um, pretty much the usual lineup of late for uh, the Indians with Tyler Naquin and Greg Allen at the bottom of the lineup. Uh, for the Reds, we've got uh, all four outfielders in there because the game is at Progressive Field. So we've got um, Jesse Winker DHing. Uh, and then Shebler leading off in right field, uh, Duvall batting eighth and left, and Billy Hamilton batting ninth and uh, playing center field, of course. Uh, we already talked about the Tigers lineup and Nick Castellanos being back in there. Um, we also now do have the Rays lineup, and I oh, we got Willie Adamas in there, uh, who had missed a little bit of time, so he's batting ninth and playing second base, and otherwise looks pretty normal. We got Kevin Kiermeyer, uh, which was pretty much expected uh, as well. Uh, we don't have Malik Smith. He may, I would assume he would be available to pinch hit or uh, enter the game late, but with uh, Francisco Liriano, the lefty, going against the Rays, uh, no Malik Smith in the starting lineup. Uh, no Brewers lineup yet. Uh, they'll be starting Chase Anderson at Marlins Park against the Marlins and Jose Urania. We do have a Marlins lineup, and it's another one with uh, Garrett Cooper in left field batting sixth. And uh, Brian Holiday catching because, as mentioned earlier in the show, JT Real Muto just placed on the paternity leave list. And then the only other lineups we have, which actually we already went over, uh, our Rangers and Red Sox, uh, that's 7-10 tonight, Eastern at Fenway Park, Mike Miner and Eduardo Rodriguez. And in case you didn't catch it earlier in the show, uh, J.D. Martinez back in the lineup, uh, batting third and playing right field. And uh, Steve Pierce, because we got the lefty Mike Miner on the mound, is uh, DHing uh, and batting cleanup for the Boston Red Sox. All right. So let's uh, take a look back at Sunday's games and uh, some of the more notable performances. I've already talked about Nate Evaldi on the show actually a couple of times already, but hadn't really broken down his start against the Mets on Sunday. He went seven innings, just gave up uh, one hit. That's it. No runs, no walks, nine strikeouts, a, an absolutely uh, almost uh, spotless performance by Nathan Evaldi. It was spotless for six innings, uh, made it seven and uh, kept the shutout. But uh, overall, he's been good. He's had a couple of really bad starts, but overall, uh, a good performance for Nate Evaldi, and as, as mentioned earlier, um, so good that he's actually become a pretty valuable uh, trade chip for the Rays. And what's kind of interesting for him is it, in terms of the, the plate discipline stance, stats, it's an interesting combination, and one I don't recall seeing very much. Uh, absolutely pounding the zone, throwing half of his pitches, 50% in the strike zone. But also, when he's not in the zone, he's getting swings at a 37% rate, which is fantastic. So <laughs> that's why he's not walking to anybody, because he's uh, throwing a lot of strikes, and when he isn't, he's getting a ton of swings. And better yet, when contact is actually being made, 
Uh, he's getting soft contact at a 23% rate, which is also very good. Now, he's got a BABIP that's on just under 200. So it's sort of like what Eno was you know, saying about you know, players like Mookie Betts. Like, yeah, sure, they're you know, very regression-bound, but does it really matter? Because after the regression happens, they're still awesome. I think that's kind of what's going on with Nate Evaldi here. I mean, he's not uh, you know, probably going to be this good going forward, regardless of who he's pitching for. And he certainly uh, is something that, that uh, Eno pointed out, that uh, Tropicana Field is a very nice venue for, for any pitcher. And by the way, in spite of that, that's the one thing that's um, elevated Evaldi's uh, ERA, which is still nice at 3.35. But what's elevated a bit is he has allowed nine home runs in just 48 and a third innings. That's like the, the one blemish on his record. But anyways, getting back to the point um, that even if he doesn't curtail those home runs very much, that you know, even if that BABIP rate rises up a little bit, I think he's still going to be somebody that you would use in fantasy, probably not every week, but for certain matchups, for two-start weeks, uh, just because of that combination of great control and deception when he's not in the zone. And a lot of soft contact. And again, who says he's going to keep all these things up? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Uh, maybe I need to keep Eno on for a second segment and get get his thoughts on Native Aldi. But certainly the, it, it's looking very good so far. And the same could be true for Andrew Heaney. But the, the stats don't necessarily show it. Uh, he had overall a very good start against the Dodgers last night. Uh, giving up three runs over seven innings, just three hits, three walks, 10 Ks. So he'll take that line overall. Uh, and four of his last five starts, he's gone at least seven innings. And each of those four deep starts uh, have been quality starts. Uh, so, but the combined numbers, it's it's kind of an, uh, an interesting mixed bag. Uh, over the last five starts, and again, four of them quality starts of seven innings or more. There was one bad start mixed in there. Uh, a total of 32 in the third innings, 36 strikeouts, only nine walks, five homers, and again, similar trend to Evaldi that uh, he has been a bit bit homer prone despite having a very nice home park to pitch in. But still, all of that you would think would add up more than the strikeout, well more than the strikeout per inning, not very many walks, a slightly elevated home run rate. And he's got a 4.45 ERA over the last five starts to show for all that. So uh, XFIP, on the other hand, thinks that he should have had an ERA that was exactly one run lower at 3.45. I'll take the XFIP for Heaney over these uh, these five starts. Um, and again, that's not a huge sample, but there's not a whole lot in there that I distrust, including the home runs. That's something I do worry about for him. And I probably would be loath to start Andrew Heaney in a tough venue or against a really tough opponent. But for pretty much the bulk of his starts at home or uh, in Seattle, and that's not knocking the Mariners as a matchup because they're actually a pretty tough matchup, but it's a good park, uh, or at Oakland, uh, I'm rolling with Andrew Heaney. I'm starting him pretty much almost every week. I'm not so sure yet about Ryan Barucki. Uh, but he had a very good start against the Yankees, and yeah, that's a good matchup, right? That's a that's a, it's a yeah, it's a tough matchup. Uh, only one run over seven innings, seven hits, two walks, five Ks. However, twelve fly balls, 
So I think he might have gotten away with a little something against the Yankees with a lot of fly balls and, and uh, very little damage. Uh, so I'm not quite trusting him yet. I'm intrigued, but to me, he's Brookie is still a, a deep league option. And then a couple of pitchers who didn't fare so well this weekend. Sean Newcomb only lasted three and two-thirds against the Brewers, gave up five runs, four walks. And over his last 10 uh, starts, I mean, you may recall going back a few weeks when I've talked about Sean Newcomb, the swings and misses, the strikeouts, they're starting to dry up a bit. Well, now we have a much longer timeline to look at here. And over his last 10 starts, uh, he has just 41 strikeouts at 52 and two-thirds innings. And two things about that ratio stand out to me. One, the relatively low strikeout rate and also the low number of innings per start, just over five innings per start. Uh, and the last two starts have just been awful for Newcomb. Uh, just six and a third innings, 10 runs allowed, and a 21% swing rate on pitches outside the zone, which for a guy who doesn't have very good control is is a really terrible sign. So I'm sitting Newcomb this week, uh, and I'm sitting Sean Newcomb uh, until he puts together probably at least back-to-back good starts. And I'm not thinking about dropping just yet, but that's you know maybe down the line. That's something you have to think about. And then Jack Flaherty only lasting two and a third innings against the Giants, uh, three runs, only two earned, and his last three starts have not been good. No quality starts, 7.30 ERA, and a lot of uh, hard contact, a lot of extra base hits, a 250 ISO for Flaherty. So he, too, is going to get a spot on my bench uh, for a little while. Uh, Just a handful of uh, hitter performances to uh, break down. Jesus Aguilar talked about him plenty on the show. Just worth mentioning that he had a two-homer game against the Brave. He's now up to 22 homers on the season. Uh, so all-star or not, uh, he is certainly a fantasy all-star and that uh, he probably came cheaply to you and uh, he's produced a whole lot. And uh, Yuli Gurriel has really heated up, just like last season, second half, really heated up after not doing much in the first half. Uh, last 30 days, he is the number five first baseman in Roto Value, according to ESPN's Player Raider, and hit his 22nd double against the White Sox on Sunday. So, Guriel, uh, if you need a first base upgrade, probably out there in a lot of leagues and, and, and give him a try. And finally, Manny Margot, a five-hit game against the Diamondbacks, also got his seventh stolen base, but that snapped a three-for-32 slide uh, with no extra base hits for Margot. So not ready to trust him just yet, but maybe uh, the first sign of turnaround for Margot. Anyways, ah, busy Monday, but uh, just a few minutes to get settled in and turn on some baseball. Tweak your lineup from last time. Thanks for tuning in. Be back tomorrow with Matt Modica. See you then.